Pastor Ben. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Or actually, uh-oh, no, it's, it's not. Okay, I'm sorry. We just lied. But um, uh, good to see everyone. Uh, we want to, um, you know, we want to always honor fathers, um, but particularly today, um, you know, for some of us, it, it's uh, extra special. And so, um, we, you know, we want to celebrate with you. And, um, you know, for others of us here, uh, Father's Day is actually uh, more of a kind of a painful time for us uh, for just a variety of different reasons. And just as a church, uh, we just want to let you know that, that we're with you also in this. Um, but kind of regardless of kind of our relationship with our fathers, um, you know, we believe that uh, we have a heavenly father uh, who loves us and is perfect uh, to us. And so, um, yeah, hopefully this, this morning could be an encouragement and a blessing. Um, and, uh, you know, we, the, the preaching calendar got kind of shifted around a little bit. And so uh, Pastor Steve and I, we had to do like a little like switcheroo thing going on. Um, and so it, I think I'm preaching because I'm giving like the dads who are preachers a break this weekend, kind of something like that. Okay. And so uh, it kind of worked out. Um, and uh, he, he was texting me. He said, hey, can you, can you do this week? And I was like, oh, it's Father's Day. Is this okay? And he's like, sure. And then I was like, all right. And so I, I went online and I, I kind of looked at the passage that we kind of had prepared in the series. And it, it's, this is a really like intense passage today. And so I was like, Pastor Steve, the, the, the text is like, really hardcore today. Is, is that like, is that going to be okay? He's like, yeah, it's going to be perfect. It's like, oh, okay. So, and so, so let, let, let's, that was my uh, kind of like attempt at a segue from Father's Day into the message, right? And so um, today what we're going to be talking about is um, it's something that we all struggle with and deal with whether we're Christian or not, and it's sin. You know, I really believe that uh, for a lot of us, sin has a foothold in our lives. Ha- ha- it's been there for a long time, and, and whether it was um, how we are or family of origin or, or however you want to explain it, it's something that we deal with. And for a lot of us, I, I genuinely believe that it is ruining some of our lives. Like when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to our marriages, when it comes to family members and friends, it is slowly deteriorating us from within. For others of us, it, it is actually uh, our sin is actually hurting us physically. Like, it, like we are being physically affected by our sin. Others of us, financial, our finances are taking a hit because of that. And, and, and even others of us, it, it's something that, that we see, um, it's, it, it can destroy our career, it, it's ruining our lives. And, and sadly, for a lot of us, when it comes to sin, it's something that we deal with by ourselves, all alone, it's something that we, we harbor as a secret that we don't want to share with other people uh, for whatever reason, and it's something that we deal with in the dark. And, and I, I, I see, it, it, it's so sad, I see this in, in so many people at church, um, Christians even, we have this mentality where when it comes to sin, we're actually def- deflated and defeated. We go into it saying things like, you know what, this is just kind of who I am, you know, I've been struggling with this for X amount of years or X amount of decades, and I guess this is just who, who I'll be. I don't know if I'll ever make progress. It, it is what it is. And we kind of come with this mentality. And, and, and what I believe has happened is, I think Satan has whispered a lie uh, t- uh, to us in our ears that we've actually believed in our hearts. And, and, and we, some of us as Christians, we believe that there is no progress we can make when it comes to sin. We can fight, we can struggle, but, but time and time again, it will overcome and ruin us. And so the question I want to answer for and try to answer for us this morning is, sin is very real to all of us in this room. 
we all have felt the effects of sin, and we've all heard sermons and sang songs and, and did Bible studies on being free from sin. But what does that look like for us? Can we really be set free from sin? Can we actually taste liberty and freedom? Is there actually hope for us? Because the gospel talks about transformation. Jesus talks about change, how we're going to be renewed. But, but is it actually happening in our lives? And for some of us, it's not. But why not? And if it is possible for us to actually change and be different and live a holy, pure, righteous life, then how do we do that? How can we do that? Because we need it. We desperately need it. Some of us, it, this is what we want more than anything else. And so this morning, this afternoon, sorry, I'm throwing a third service. Okay, This afternoon, uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6. And this letter that Paul has uh, written to the church in Rome thousands of years ago, I believe it, this, it's addressing us today. It's, it's, it's going to be able to help us tremendously. And we're going to be in the second half of Romans chapter 6. But this afternoon, I will do my best to answer three questions. Uh, you can see it as three main points if you're taking notes. A lot of you guys are just staring at me, taking mental notes. It's all good, all right? And these are the three things. Number one, we're going to talk about what, what is sin? What is it? Number two, why do we sin? Why do we keep on sinning? Why does this happen to us? We want to stop, but we can't. Why? And then lastly, how can we be set free from sin? How can we actually be free? And we'll start in Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 15. And Paul, I don't know what, what you call it, he's kind of asking like a rhetorical question, but then he answers his own question. He's kind of just setting us up. Uh, but Romans 6.15, it, uh, it says this, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. And so Paul is, is kind of setting it up for us. He, he's um, cr- creating this transition by saying, if you know grace, if you understand the grace of God, it doesn't give us um, It doesn't give us the freedom to sin, but if you know God's grace, it's supposed to give us freedom from sin. It's supposed to move us away from it. We're supposed to be set free. We're supposed to be transformed. We're not supposed to walk and continue in sin any longer. And so the question is, how do we get out of that then, if that's the case? So we'll start here. Number one, what is sin? What is it? Because uh, if we want to be freed from it, we, we should know what it is. We need to kind of pin down exactly what it is. Um, you know, I was told that uh, in our Kingdom Kids Ministries, that's our like babies, like zero through, I don't know, like fifth grade-ish, um, Kingdom Kids Junior, Kingdom Kids, a lot of us serve in those ministries. Uh, the way that we teach sin is this. We say, uh, hopefully this is right, some of you guys could correct me. Uh, we say sin is everything you think, everything you say, everything you do, or something like that, that makes God sad, right? That, that's what sin is. And that's a pretty good definition. It's, it's saying that sin is much more than external behavior. It goes deeper than that, right? It's deeper. Uh, the way that Pastor Tim Keller talks about sin is he defines it like this. He says, um, t- to answer the question, what is sin? He says, sin is not merely an action, but sin is a power. It is a power that sin has over us. 
And as Paul continues to describe what sin is, he attaches the concept and idea of sin being power with the metaphor for us to make it more real. And the metaphor that he's going to use to describe the power of sin in our lives or over us is he's going to talk about slavery. And so look with me in Romans 6, verses 16 and on. Uh, He continues, and he kind of irons out and explains this idea and concept of us being enslaved. Romans 6.16, it says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? 17, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin, uh, of sin become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, uh, have become slaves of righteousness. 19, in speaking in human terms uh, because of your natural limitations, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. And, And we'll pause here. What Paul is saying here is sin is much more than an action. It's much more than a behavior. Sin is a power. And he, would, he, he actually describes it here in a metaphor, and, and he says, sin is actually slavery. And, and a lot of us uh, maybe uh, who are new to church, or some, some of us who maybe have been going to church, uh, but are a little bit more skeptical, we might kind of pause here and say, oh, well, hold on. The Bible is going to use the metaphor of slavery? How unjust. How archaic. Is this, the, is this the way to talk about anything? Do we really have to talk about this? And, and I just want to answer a few objections before continuing on uh, to explain this metaphor. Uh, when Paul is using this as a metaphor, I think a few things are happening. Okay? Number one, the slavery that, that is uh, happening in Paul's day back then thousands of years ago is different than the slavery we think of when we think about America's past. And so uh, it, it, there's a huge contrast. Um, For them, uh, in Paul's day, uh, it was not kidnapping, it was not race-based, it was not forever. Um, What slavery looked like back then was actually uh, indentured servitude. And so it it was a very common thing, where if someone was uh, in debt, they couldn't pay off their debts, they would actually willingly uh, make themselves a servant, a slave of someone else. And and this is one of the main distinguishing factors. Slaves back then, oftentimes, they actually even got to choose the master that they want to serve. And so first off, slavery, it it is completely different. The second thing, although the Bible uses the term slavery, there is no way um, that that God uh, condones um, the idea of injustice. See, all throughout the Old Testament, over and over and over again, God talks about his holiness, his righteousness, his justice. He would not condone a lot of America's past, but he is speaking to it, right? And so uh, although they mention it because it's just part of reality, it it is not endorsing this in any uh, way, shape, or fashion, what what we know here in this country. And and the last thing is this. Paul is using this as a metaphor. Paul is a great great orator. Uh, He's really bright. And so he has intentionally chosen this metaphor to use when talking about sin. He recognizes uh, he, he, slavery then is different, but still that there is a, a power dynamic between a slave master and a slave. And so he, he understands what he's doing here. And so if we continue on, uh, what he's actually, what, what Paul is saying is, sin has so much power 
Sin is actually slavery. And because it has so much power over us, sin is our master. See, if you think uh, Paul is talking in hyperbole here, uh, he's not. See, Jesus uh, in John 8, 34, he actually says, if you obey sin, if you continue in sin, you are enslaved to sin. Same metaphor. And so what does this mean? And it sounds kind of weird. Sin being our master, right? What, what, What even is that? And uh, just to put it a little bit more concrete, because I think when we talk about sin, we talk in generalities. Like sin, it's bad, evil. It's, it's very abstract. Uh, but to, to kind of put more meat on the bones, uh, let me try to put it like this. If you're a greedy person, then money and materialism rules you. If you are a prideful person, then your appearance, your perception, your reputation, your achievements, they control you. If you have wrath, if, if you, if, when you get angry, you, you sin in your anger, then that means your emotions and your passions and your will, they have mastery over you. See, these things in itself are not bad. Money, achievement, success, reputation, uh, emotions, these are not bad things. But for some of us, they have so much power over us, they almost have supreme power over us, that it becomes a sin when we obey it. When it tells us what to do and we have we almost just surrender every time, it, it has become sin in our life. It has become an idol. And that's what sin is. Much deeper than an action or behavior, it's a power. It's slavery. Then number two, then why do we sin? Why do we sin? And, and we can just kind of answer this by saying, well, it's because we're sinners. Like, like we're, we're kind of messed up. But, but there's a little bit more to it. Paul, he continues in Romans 6, 20 and 21, and he says this, verse 20, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. See, um, he continues and he says, the reason why we sin is sin tells us a lie. Sin promises us something and we fall for it time and time again. See, verse uh, 20, it's kind of hard to see it here, but Paul is kind of, he gives a really weird sentence. He says, when we were slaves of sin, when we were in sin, when sin was our master, has power over us, we were free in regard to righteousness. And and that's positive. And and how he's speaking is, I don't know if it's like irony or sarcasm, or I don't know the difference between, one of those two, but what he's saying is, he's he's kind of... um, fluctuating his, his, his wording here, his, his phraseology. What, what I mean is this. Um, I, I don't know if there's any Friends fans of the, the TV show Friends. It's, it's like a classic, right? People like love it. They're like die hard. Um, and I, I think I've watched it one time through. It's so long. Okay, it's a marathon, right? Um, but there's uh, one particular character on the show. Uh, I think it's him. His name is Joey. And he is like kind of like the, right? Like not the, you know, brightest guy. And I think there's one whole episode dedicated to him not understanding how to use like air quotes, right? And so the whole time he's just like, like, yeah, right? And it's, it's like all wrong. And so he'll like say like, hello, or like, thank you. And people are like, no, like you're using it wrong, right? And so what this is, it's, it's kind of used in, in a play, it's, it's almost like the opposite, right? It, or it's not real. And Paul in, in this verse, uh, in verse 20, he says, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in righteousness. This is what Paul's actually saying here. He's saying, 
when, when sin has power over you, when you buy into the lie of sin that it tells you, the, the promise that it, 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 it gives you is, hey, if you sin, you get freedom. You have freedom. This is the, sin from the, be- this is the, the lie from the beginning in the garden, right? When Satan tempted Adam and Eve, he said what to them? He said, do you think God actually knows you better than you? You get to, why, why don't you choose what you want to do? How about that? Why don't you have freedom? Why don't you decide? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smell the fruit. It smells pr- pretty good, right? Taste it. It's pretty sweet. It's, it's, is it enjoyable? This is the lie that we get when it comes to sin. It, 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 it tells us you're going to have freedom. You get to control. You get to choose what you want. And then, then you're going to feel pleasure. But the reality of sin is, once we fall into it, yes, sin, it, it does feel good in the moment. That's why we keep going back to it. We remember that, that positive feeling associated with it. But right after, the feeling we get right after we sin, all of us can, should be able to relate to this. It is not pleasure. The pleasure lasts only for a moment, then it's gone. What we feel is what? Verse 21 continues and it says, the fruit that we feel, the result, the, the, when we sin, it actually leads us to feeling ashamed. We feel shame. And a lot of us are in this place. We sin, we fall, it's so frequent, it's so much, we think it's so bad, we feel shame, so we don't want to tell anyone our sin. It becomes this hidden thing, and we tell ourselves the story. No one can ever know I deal with this. No one can ever know that I struggle. So I'm just going to take this with me to the grave. I can't tell anyone. And so you, t- you keep it to yourself, and it's in the dark. And what happens to sin when it's in isolation when it's in darkness, it's only going to get deeper. It's only going to get worse. No progress can be made. After that shame that you feel, it ends in verse 21 and it says, the end, the final end of this, sin, when you fall into it, maybe pleasure in the moment, you feel deep shame, and then ultimately what, you, what you're going to get is death. Physically and spiritually, separation from God. But again, we continue to buy the lie. We think it's going to please us. Just one more time. It's going to be a little bit different this time. It's going to be a little bit more intense. And maybe we'll feel good and it'll satisfy us. But so often, it doesn't. So that's number two. Why do we sin? And number three, this is what we want to know. Then how do we, how can we be set free? How can we actually be set free from sin? Liberated from it. The penalty it affects everything. Paul says, well, there's a way out. And he tells us in the final two verses, Romans 6, and 23. It says, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so this is the way out. And Paul's going to give us two things that we need to know, two things that we need to do in order for us to be free from sin, set free from sin. And the first one is this. If you want to be set free from sin, if we want to be set free, we need a savior and a new master. We need a savior and a new master. 
If sin has power over us and it's taking us captive as slaves, the only way to win in a power dynamic is either we need to become stronger than our master or we need someone who is stronger who fights for us. And at the beginning of Romans, Paul talks about who we are. And he says, we are broken. We are fallen. We are sinful. And so Paul gives us bad news up front. And he says, you're too weak. If it's just you and sin, you're going you're gonna to lose. It's going to have power over you. You're going to be enslaved time and time again. Bad news. We are not stronger than sin. But then Romans continues and Paul says, but there is one who is. There is one who is perfect. Jesus. Jesus is stronger than your sin. Jesus, Jesus is so much stronger than sin that when he lived on earth, he never fell into temptation once. He lived perfect, avoided all of sin. It, had, it, it was whispering lies, didn't buy into any of it. Perfect. And what Jesus did is, in his perfection, he still died on the cross on our behalf to give us his righteousness. And then after he died, he resurrected, showing that even death has no power over him. And so Jesus, although we're not strong enough, he is. And us putting our faith in him, it says earlier in, verse, uh, in, in chapter 6, we're united to him. We're united to him. He fights for us. He, he, walked, he walked, he lived what we could not. And our faith in him can give us the strength out so that now we are no longer enslaved to sin because he's defeated it, its effects, and now we are free to it. But the interesting thing is God here doesn't tell us, I've set you free from slavery. What he actually says to us is, he says, you are no longer slaves to sin. He says, the way it works is, you don't serve sin anymore as your master. You're going to serve me. I'm going to be your master. I'm going to be your Lord. I'm not going to be like sin. Sin lies to you, promises you things that it will never give you, but I'm going to be faithful. Everything I say is true. I will be true to my word, and I will be your new master. See, Paul is arguing for us, stop, stop allowing sin to have mastery over your life. Sin is a horrible master. It leads you to shame and death, nothing. You're going to get nothing. But Paul's argument is, choose Christ. Have Jesus be your master. Have Jesus be your savior. Because he's going to be faithful. He's going to give you grace, as it says at the end of verse 23. He gives you the free gift of eternal life. It's going to end not in death, but life. That's what we have in him. That's the first thing. So if we want to be set free from sin, we need a savior that can pull us out because we can't save ourselves. And we need a, a new master to serve who is good. The second thing we need to know and do is this, if we want to be set free from sin. Um, we need to, um, we are led to sanctification. If we, if we want to be free from sin, we are led to sanctification. Uh, look with me in verses 19 and 22. See, sanctification, it, it's used over and over. And, and the, 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 the sequence is, after we are set free from sin, we are now slaves of God. We are now servants of God. He is now our Lord and Savior. And we are led into sanctification. And what sanctification is, is sanctification is this kind of already not yet. We have been set free from sin, but we are not yet fully free from sin. 
See, Jesus already accomplished for, uh, everything for us on the cross, but still now we live in this fallen world where we feel the effects of sin. But sanctification is the process where we become like Jesus, where we fight sin. And oftentimes it is slow and it is a painful process that does not happen automatically. See, just because we're justified by Jesus and he cleanses us, we don't automatically become sanctified. It is something that we must intentionally do and are led into. And so I want to share um, four steps for us in how we can actually be led into sanctification, how we can actually fight sin and be changed and transformed different, okay? Uh, we're going to kind of blaze through these, okay? Uh, n- number one, the first step in practically, biblically, intentionally fighting sin. Step number one, we need to, I believe, identify specific sins, Paul is speaking in generalities here when he's talking about sin, but so many other places in scripture, when he talks about sin, he actually lists it specifically for us to recognize. And so I want to list a few things for us now. And and for for some of us, this could be all of the above. It just kind of depends on what season of life we are in. And so these are a few things, and I think it's different for everyone. But for some of us, the sin that we are tempted by, the sin that has mastery or power over us still Maybe it's lust, maybe it's pornography, maybe it's cheating, adultery. Others of us, it's greed, not being generous, keeping our own money and resources and time to ourselves. Some, it's pride. We're too selfish, we're too stubborn to change, we're unwilling to bend. Gossip. Some are very harsh, We're tearing down other people's reputations. Fear. We are not bold enough to stand up for what we know is right and speak truth in a timely way. Others of us, it's sloth. We're just way too lazy. We don't get anything done. Some, it's the opposite. We work way too hard. We're a workaholic. We do not rest. We do not Sabbath and just trust in God's providence. Others of us, it's not forgiving others. We hold grudges, and we feel like we're going to hold them to the end. I don't know what sin you struggle with, but you can't fight sin if you don't identify what sins you're struggling with. You need to know where your weak points are if you want to fight it. If you want to grow in sanctification, you need to identify exactly what it is you struggle with. And so step one is identify specific sins, which leads us to number two. Number two, embrace the reality of your sin. Embrace the reality of your sin. Although, this is especially true for people who've been in church for a long time, although we know the sins we struggle with, it is so easy for us to be tempted to speak about it only in generalities. And so maybe in your uh, groups, you'll say things like, I struggle with lust, period, that's it. Leave it vague, leave it general, just kind of leave it out there. But I, I think when we talk about it like that, we don't actually embrace the reality of it, the fullness of it. Uh, it, it's kind of like this. I think this is kind of how we treat sin sometimes. I know there's a lot of students in here and, and people who are working. Um, for students, I, I think you guys just finished up, a lot of you guys are up here. You guys just finished up finals, right? Um, and uh, you know that feeling you get when as you're taking the test, you're like, I'm bombing this test. Like as you're taking it, you're like, oh, this is wrong. Like everything I'm writing is wrong, right? And you walk out and you know like, okay, the, the grades are gonna get posted on Friday, it's going to be bad. When Friday comes, what do you do? You know, you know you did bad, so what do you do? You don't check it. 
it's there, and you're just kind of like, yes, I am here, right? For those of, uh, those of us who are working, l- let me put it like this. For some of us financially, it, it, is, it is not pretty, okay? There is debt. Our savings is like, like, it's like a steady decline. And what we choose to do is our bank statement is there. We, we know it's not pretty. And so our bank account is here, and we're just like, yes, okay. Like, if I do not look, maybe it doesn't exist, right? Like, we're just trying to keep it out of our minds. But I'm talking about embracing the fullness of something. Like, I think some, sometimes we need to sit in our sin a little bit and, and let it sink in, what, what it's actually doing to us. Because... Maybe if, maybe if we were to ask the people around us, they would tell us it's destroying our lives, but we don't see it for ourselves. Like, like we don't feel it, right? In a few weeks, uh, we're going to go to Honduras, and we go, you know, last few years or whatever, and this happens so often. It's, it's summer. There's going to be a lot of traveling, vacations. Um, without fail, if you travel somewhere with, uh, with a kid, this is going to happen, okay? We're going to fly. Oh, my gosh. We're going to fly there, um, get off the, uh, air, uh, the plane, the airport's going to, the door's going to open. We're going to walk out, and it'll, there'll be a sign that says, like, welcome to Honduras. And our team is going to walk out. And there's going to be one person who's like, oh, so um, this is it? And we're like, yeah, you're in Honduras now. And then they'll be like, hmm, it doesn't really, like, feel like Honduras. It's just kind of like mm, the same, you know, and they'll kind of walk around and they'll be like, oh, there's a lot of like similar things. And the whole trip, they're just like, are we really here? It doesn't really feel like it. Like it kind of just feels like back at home, right? The whole trip. And then on like the last day, like while they're eating like beans or in cheese or something, they'll be like, we're in Honduras. <laughs> like they'll, they'll see, they'll be, they'll be like, we're here. And we'll be like, yeah, we were here like the whole time, right? Like, like it, it sinks in. And, and the reason why it, it find, we embrace the reality is because what? We're, we're talking to people. We're there. We're, we're smelling the smells. We're, we're living it out. It, it's, we're sitting in it. For some of us, we don't embrace the reality of our sin because we're not talking to anyone about it. It's hidden. How are you, you going to feel the reality of it? It's destroying your friendships. It's destroying your life. It's destroying your career. You're not, but you're too scared to talk to anyone about it because maybe you don't want to deal with it. You don't want to look at it. It's too ugly and disgusting. And so we don't spend time and just sit and feel it and it, with a sober mind, see how it's actually affecting us. And so that's the second thing, embrace the reality. Step three, go to God. Go back to God. When we think about our sin, during praise time, when people are breaking down in worship, I know they're thinking about their sin. That's why. See, when, when sin, when it actually rests in our hearts, sometimes the guilt and shame we feel is too much for us to handle. And we need to go to God because only he can forgive us. He's, he's going to accept us. He's going to still love us. He, he's going to give us grace each and every time. But we need to go to him. We have to over and over and over again. It's going to be thousands, millions of this prayer. God, forgive me. I've messed up. I've sinned. Show me grace again. We're going to be praying this for a long time. That's number three. And then number four, the the last thing. Find true accountability. We need to find true accountability. I've grown up at church all my life. I've listened to thousands of sermons, did Bible studies, led Bible studies, went on mission trips, 
um, what else? Been a part of life group, regional group, community group, whatever group you want to call it, right? Christian friends, Christian conversation. You can have Christian friends. You can talk to Christians. You can share prayer requests. You can hang out together. You can do all of these things. But you might not have true accountability. True accountability is being vulnerable, you being vulnerable enough to share your sin, and the same likewise. That's accountability. Do we have that in our lives? Do we have that? Because we need it. See, preachers in the South have a leg up on all the preachers here because Paul's language when he's talking about this is he's, saying, he's not saying you were slaves. He's saying you all were slaves. We were slaves. It's, it's y'all, right? It's this collective idea. And it sounds so weird, but um, if you want to be set free from your sin, you can't only talk to God about it. God can forgive you and give you grace, only him, but God also designed the church to be the system and structure in which you experience sanctification and you are led into freedom. That can't come from God. He's designed it for us to find that in one another, in brothers and sisters. That's what we're called to do. See, I just want to end with um, one story. I know I'm kind of over, but Pastor Steve's not here, so it's okay. Um, I'll end with one final story, and I'm not sharing this to um, impress anyone. This is not going to be impressive at all, Um, but uh, hopefully this could be helpful for you. Um, That's my prayer. Um, See, uh, growing up, um, pornography is something that I've fallen into and struggled with a long time, and uh, statistics now show that not just guys, but girls, so many people struggle with it. It's rampant, I'm sure. Just, uh, it's, it's very relatable. Um, and because of that struggle, for a lot of us who, who are in it, we know that it's on again, off again. And a lot of people will describe it as binge and purge cycles, where you'll watch, feel so much guilt and shame, stop watching for long periods of time, maybe then something stressful happens in your life again, it'll lead you back in. It's kind of this on again, off again thing, okay? And all throughout uh, high school, growing up, junior high, high school, um, you know, we would talk about it here and there. It'd be like the one, like, courageous guest preacher, and he'll say it or something. And everyone would be like, like, wow, right, they said it. And then no one raised their hands because we're all scared. Um, kind of like that. But in college is when, you know, people start talking about it a little bit more. And so I remember in college, um, you know, I, I was actually uh, doing better with it. Um, but uh, we came together as a small group, and I was appreciative of my small group leader. He said, hey, you know, you guys are in college now. You guys are adults. I know all of you guys struggle with this. Am I right? We all struggle with pornography. And as he said that, all of us just like put our heads down, like, you know, right? Say youth group, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so we all do the same thing. And then he's like, you know what? I, I, wanna, I wanna talk about this because we need to overcome. We're all like, amen, let's do it. Next week, gather together. He's like, all right, who, who fell in this week? All of us put our heads down. We're like, uh. And then the small group leader is like, yeah, I know we all failed, me too, several times. Um, well, let's meet again next week. And so we just repeated the same thing. And we're just kind of stuck in the cycle of like, wow, this is really hard. 
Good thing Jesus forgives us, right? All right, let's keep going. And so uh, nothing, okay? And then college, that was just, that was just my experience, okay? Throughout college, um, and, and I was actually in a pretty good place in college. It, uh, I was in a place where I, I didn't watch for so long, I thought I was in the clear. I was like, dude, I'm done. Like, I overcame the Holy Spirit, did it in my heart. Um, but then s- stress, life, whatever, back in. And I, I remember meeting up with uh, pastors, mentors of mine, and I would ask them, hey, I don't know how to kick this. I've been struggling with this. I was in an accountability group, and we always do this, right? I was like, I shared, and the leader, the leader didn't do anything, right? We always blame the leader, right? The leader's fault. I shared it. They didn't follow up, right? And so it was not my... Uh, there, and then, I know the cell group shepherds are like, I know. Um, and then <laughs> the past... The pastor was like, okay, if you, if you really want to take this serious, then install some programs on all your devices, lock down your Wi-Fi, whatever, firewall, block it, shield, whatever, right? I was like, sure, let's do it. Sign me up, paid all the stuff, installed it, um, but just, it's really easy to get around, just to be honest, right? It's really, it's like just boop, you're out, right around, right? Easy. And so I was like, all right, this is not really helping me. Um, and then... Other pastors would tell me, oh, well, you know, if you get married, then you won't struggle anymore once you're married. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I could just look forward to that. Um, but that's a myth, okay? It is not true, all right? Uh, not for me, right? And so, um, you know, I walked through all of this, and um, it, was, it was so difficult for me. I remember uh, having conversations with my wife, Jessica, about this, and I would tell her, um, and, and looking back, looking in hindsight now, I... It was hard for me to be honest with her because I wasn't honest with myself. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I didn't think it was a big deal. I didn't want to think it was a big deal because look at me. I'm a Christian leader. Like, I go to, like, Bible school. Like, I, I've been a Christian for, like, 10 plus years. I'm not supposed to be dealing with this stuff, um, but I was. And so it became a secret for me that I held and I did not want to share. And there were times when Jessica would ask me point blank, hey, I know you talked to me about struggling with purity. I know you struggled with this in the past. Have you watched anything recently? And me imagining telling her the truth and thinking about how much it would hurt her, I justified, I rationalized it so that I would lie. And so she would ask me, I know I did something bad, but I would just tell her to her face, no, I didn't watch anything. I'm okay. Or uh, a little, I'm struggling a little bit. It's not that bad. Just keep it vague. And that would happen. But, but I knew it was not helpful. And I would, I would see all these stories about pastors leaving and falling and doing horrible things. And, and I'm like, I, I do not want to be that. And so there was this period of time where the Holy Spirit was so convicting my heart of, of this particular sin. Like every, every devotional I would read, it would just... Go to, my mind would just go to this. Every sermon I heard, it wasn't even about this stuff. They would just say the word sin, and, and it would like, oh, like dagger, right? Like, it would just hit me, and, and I would read all these articles, see all these things about it, and, and so it would, it got to this point where I was like, you know, I, I, I cannot hold this in. I need to just, I, I need help. Like, I cannot do this. Then I joined this group of pastors, uh, accountability group of pastors, where we would meet once a week, all we would talk about is just our sin, talk about all our brokenness to share with each other. 
This is what I deal with. This is what happened. These are the effects it's having with me in my marriage, in my relationships, in my career, financially. These are all the implications. We would talk about all these things. And I knew, though, before joining that group, I had to have a really difficult conversation with my wife, a very difficult conversation with the leaders of the church. And it was the, the most grueling thing I've ever had to do in my life. Like, um, like, I had so much anxiety. I couldn't sleep. Like, it was bothering me. It was driving me crazy. Like, and, and I remember one night just sitting my wife down. There's no good way to bring it up. I just sat her down, and I told her, I need help. I struggle with this far worse than I, I gave off. I lied to you. I'm sorry. Had to have the same conversation with church leaders and just confess, admit, I need help. But after joining the group of pastors, sharing sin, being intentional, keeping each other accountable, calling each other, texting, doing all of these things, there is freedom, there is hope, there is sobriety in this. And, and I think um, when Jesus tells us, I've set you free from sin, it's not just the effect of sin later. He's telling us, I can set you free from the power of sin now. Whatever you're dealing with by yourself, whatever it is, you can get out of. And I've designed life in a way that if you abide in me, if you believe in me, you can get out of these things. Yes, maybe sin has power over your life right now, but the gospel, Jesus, is stronger. We can be set free but I pray that as a church, Living Hope, that we can be vulnerable. I don't think we have to tell everyone, but we have to tell someone, maybe some people we trust, that we need help, we need a way out, we need to confess, not just part of it, the whole thing. No more secrecy, no more darkness. Walk and live in the light if we want to experience freedom and hope, which we can have and which Jesus wants us to have. Sin, for some of us, it is, it is very powerful, but the gospel in Christ is stronger. Let's pray. And, and I want to lead us in uh, just uh, a few prayer topics, uh, just kind of bunched together. For some of us, we might have a hard time identifying what sin we struggle with. If you're in that place and, and you're thinking, I, I don't know what sin, uh, what sin has mastery over my life right now, maybe the prayer that you could pray is you can ask God to search you. God, is there something that I don't see, a blind spot in my heart or in my life where sin has a foothold in? Because that small area of space can quickly grow. For others of us, I think what we need to pray and ask for is repentance. If we have felt the weight of our sin, if the Holy Spirit has been convicting our heart, maybe not of the sin I shared about, but maybe of a different sin in your life, maybe what we need to do is turn to God and ask for grace, ask for forgiveness for not just the sin that we have 
committed, but all the other sins and lies and darkness that we've also lived in. See, we, we all struggle in sin, but we're not called to live in secrecy. And lastly, I think some of us, we need accountability. We need brothers and sisters, leaders, whom we can share with. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's someone you trust, someone else. But maybe what we need to pray for is the courage to be able to own our sin and just tell other people that worse than we give off. So can we take a few moments, pray, go to God for his grace, forgiveness, freedom, hope.